Okay, everybody, have we got a fun one for you. Cincinnati superfan Mark Goldberg jumps into the mix with Ross, Kevin, and Ab to talk about his beloved Bengals. Sasha was there for the first 15 minutes, and Dave had a work emergency, so we'll talk to him on a separate episode coming soon. And of course, we talk about UCLA, Loyola, and no episode would be complete without a Fenwick shout-out. What a week! So baseball! I was looking to for a rematch, but it didn't happen, Mark. But I, you okay. know, I I had a whole bit. I had a whole bit prepared for that. <laughs> oh, you mean if it was the Niners? Yeah, yeah, it would have been the third well, do, Super Bowl. Do the bit anyway. Yeah, I'll do the bit. <laughs> do the bit. We'll tack it on at the end. <laughs> okay. There we go. Aber, you you're back. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to do it on my iPad, but for some reason it wasn't. I couldn't, you couldn't hear me. So mm, I switched yeah. over to my phone. There we go. And hopefully everyone is on do not disturb for this because sometimes if you get a call, you get kicked off. So we don't want that. Hmm. Yeah. I remember um, that happened to you once, Ross, and the whole thing went down. I know it happens to all of us, but yeah. Um, if it does happen, just quit and rejoin. It's fine. So um, my brother, as we know, always likes to make a late entrance. So let's let's get it started. This is championship week. We only have Sasha for a few moments before he has to drive Maddox. So we'll start with Sasha. Um, Sasha, you called Bengals. I did. Exciting. <laughs> you went with the Costanza method of going and get the ex- the exact opposite of what you thought. <laughs> And it played out for you. Exactly. Against my better judgment, I picked the team that I didn't think would win it. And look what happened. They won. <laughs> yeah. And for our listeners, we're welcoming in a new panelist, um, Cincinnati native Mark Goldberg, one of the all-time greats and my fantasy football partner for, for years and years with the Red Zone Touches. It's such a pleasure to have you back and to be talking football with you again. Uh, thank you, Ross. It, back when uh, we were partners up with that team, we pick, you always let me pick a few Bengals, even those were the dark years. Well, I had, to give you some, I had to throw you some crumbs, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Cincinnati super fan. Mark, Talk did us- I hear you were in uh, Oak Park, Illinois? Oak Park, Illinois. That's right. Yeah. Home of the Fenwick Friars. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Exactly. And everything Frank Lloyd Wright. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mark, are you considering sending your daughters to Fenwick when it's time for for high school or middle school? Perhaps. Uh, they probably would default to Oak Park uh, River Forest Public High School just because that's where all their friends will be. But uh, as a Jesuit high school alum myself, there's a, a Jesuit high school in Chicago called Ignatius that might be my preference, but I don't know if that's what they would want. Ooh, oh, Ignatius. Boy, that's, a, that's our big rivals. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Same with that and Loyola. Loyola High. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So we're not sure. We have a few years to decide. Um, and and I'll, I'm going to slowly, I'm going to slowly, I'm going to work the long game and see what I can do. Um, well, you've got a ways to go before you have to think about that. Exactly. But, uh, you know, this is a Fenwick pod. 
but we'll allow the public school or the other Jesuit school if absolutely necessary. Well, neither but, neither one of those schools have a Heisman Trophy winner, so <laughs> <laughs> you got to think of that. You got to keep that in yeah. mind. And if either of your daughters are planning on playing varsity football, Fenwick is the destination. That's right. Exactly. State champions exactly. this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you, so are, you, are you talking about the infamous Johnny Latner? Of course. He so I he lived two houses like just north of me. So the the folks that lived there bought their house from the Latners, and he had nine kids in a three-bedroom house. Holy cow. <laughs> that was one crowded spot. Yes. So the, we, we, we always get entertained with Johnny Latner stories from the old neighbors who knew him. Uh, but he's still, uh, it's been a few years since, since his glory days, but he's, his legend lives on strong here on Winona Avenue in Oak Park, at least. Yeah, very good. Beautiful. I love that. Um, well, Mark, we'll be sure to have you back for our off-season Fenwick Fenwick pod since you're a Chicago <laughs> resident now not a native your wife is a Chicago native or at least an Illinois native but uh That's be right, before Sasha. we lose before we lose Sasha let's quickly circle up to the other game so Sasha can weigh in the Niners were defeated at the last minute by a Rams by the Rams um and you know too bad for too bad for the Niners, but uh, the Rams are in the Super Bowl. Sasha, you said you uh, you were pulling for the Niners. I was pulling for the Niners. I believed in their defense. They failed me, um, but you know Matt Stafford is really good, so he deserves all the credit. So there's a part of me that's happy for him because I my wife is from Detroit, and even Detroit Lions fans are rooting for him because they felt so bad because of the experience he had being the quarterback for the Lions, that they were happy that he was winning something and was going to be able to get to the Super Bowl, which I think is more nice. it's more a testament how bad the Lions are, but I think it was really nice. Like, it's not just, I think, my wife's family, but I think a lot of people were rooting for him because he deserves it. He's a really good quarterback. And not many people realize that because he was on the Lions and, like, now that's in full force of, like, their understanding. Like, he's a much better uh, quarterback than, than he was at, in the Lions because – He's got a team that's able to play at his level. So that's what I noticed in the game is that, you know, it was, it was a good game on their part and, and he was fantastic. He was really good. Kevin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Kev. about your Niners. Oh, you know, <laughs> Hey, Hey, the, the, here's the thing. They, the game was fair. There was no referee involved, right? There was no check swing umpire. Okay. So, so, you know, the 49ers didn't come through in the fourth. Pretty straightforward. They missed interception, easy interception. Uh, Stafford's, yeah. Stafford's mm -hmm. uh, big mistake uh, that the 49ers gave back to him. And then the very next play, uh, what's his name, makes a long catch. And then there's a penalty on top of that. Turns plus 30 right there to the Rams. So that was kind of the game. Also, as, as Ab was very astute in pointing out, the second and two became an issue because they should have gotten that first down somehow, some way, and they didn't when they needed to. So um, th there's a trend here, though. Um, the 49ers are – let me put that more correctly. Shanahan has an issue with fourth quarters in big games. Falcons, Patriots, 
down, up 28-3, lose. Oh. Uh, Niners Chiefs in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, up with six minutes or so to go, lost the game. This game up 10 points in the uh, fourth quarter and lost. So there, there's a pattern there. They almost lost the Cowboys game too. They were up in that one. So there's a pattern of not being able to extend and seal the deal. So that's something that should be discussed as well. Yeah. But the Rams I, won the game and that's, that's the way it, there was, but I'm just happy there was no referee or, Oh, should have, this should have been, I'm just glad it was a, it was a, it was a one team won and one team lost. There was no interference by anyone else. Um, completely agree. But both games were obviously well contested and fairly well refereed. No, were there any refereeing controversies in the Cincinnati Chiefs game? No, nothing, no. Uh, nothing of note. And, and maybe I say that because of uh, coming out on top. My team came out on top, so I, I'm, I'm ignoring any. But uh, no, I don't think there was any no. any big ones. There was the one from the previous week, but uh, you know, the kind of the shoestring catch that it was or wasn't or whatever but no the last week it was pretty clean again same thing you know good competitive game exciting game continues the theme for the year what what did the Bengals figure out about the chiefs that enabled them to come back from such a deficit in the second half it was a, it was two different games right it was like the i thought it was going to be you know, 65 to three at the end after the first <laughs> half. And then they came out and it, it was on even the very first drive that the Chiefs had in the second half. Though you could tell it was different. Uh, I, I don't know enough about defensive schemes to speak intelligently, but I'll, I'll speak nonetheless. Uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, the, the Bengals put a spy on Mahomes, which I don't have any idea what that means. I don't know if that's just some like a sort of a linebacker that basically doesn't do anything but prevent the quarterback from running. And I think that that just meant that Mahomes had to sit back and uh, not relieve good coverage with his legs and had to make throws. Um, And that's what I understood it to be. But it was a completely different game. I think they were uh, defending the pass with more guys back, and they they didn't worry about the run. And for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. Kansas City didn't run. Yeah. You know, they could have run. Their best runner is Mahomes, right? And so if they have a spy on him, they were containing him. Well, they've got other runners, though. But are they they good? Yeah. Um, I I think also, I think that play at the, at the, at the end of the first half was huge because I think, I think there was a mental issue there. Not just, it wasn't just that they didn't get any points on that or nothing, you know, they came away empty. I think there was a mental thing on Mahomes that he questioned his own, thing because I saw him trying to call a timeout after that play and they didn't have any timeouts. Oh, that's so, right. So yeah. did he was when he said, Oh no, I want to get one more play, was he thinking he had a timeout? Um and and I think mm. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the any conversation between the coach and him at halftime because I think it kind of rattled them. I think it mm. it got them off their game. And then the the most important play of the whole second half I don't. I forget his name. I think it's Hill. But the defensive lineman who tipped the ball and and made the interception, yes. that was just massive. Yeah, that was and, huge. Yeah. And and that yeah. had nothing to do with, you know, throwing in the poor coverage or anything. That was just a, a physical, athletic effort by that lineman to make that play. Yeah. Um, so, that was huge. And that that turn that that moment on, it was all downhill. 
Yeah. Because um, the Chiefs then were questioning their own abilities and they just didn't have it. And the Bengals, the Bengals have that thing that, that you can't buy. You cannot buy that, that, that Joe thing and that kicker thing. I mean, <laughs> those, <Yeah>. guys, <laughs> those guys, are just, they just got it right now. And, and you know, well, they've been the underdog this whole playoffs, yeah. uh, except for maybe possibly the first game. But they've been the underdog um, in this whole playoffs, and they'll potentially be the underdog again going into the Super Bowl. Yep. And I think that plays into their style. Yep. Um, they've come in with like the, hey, we can't, you know, you you don't believe in us. We're going to play with swagger. Yeah. And um, and that's what they continue to do, even get, getting down whatever it was, 24 point, or 21 points. Uh, but there was too, you know, too much time left. And I agree with whoever just said that um, not being able to at least get a field goal with time running out in the first half kind of flustered and you kind of get red faced mm-hmm. um, and embarrassed if you um, if you don't manage if, if you blow something. It's like it's like if you load the bases with no outs and you don't yeah. manage to get a run, yeah. even if you're up by a few runs. You kind of go, ah, oh, we're going to, oh, I know we're going to regret this. And then you yeah. start playing tense. It just gets into your mind. I know it from video games or from any sport, kind of like m- missing out on a big opportunity and feeling a little bit embarrassed. And then you start to hear footsteps. And that's sort of what happened to Kansas City. Yeah. Yep. And you're yeah. playing against a team that's got that thing that is not going to take their foot off the pedal if they have an opportunity, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I cannot uh, be against any quarterback named Joe in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> now, okay, now fast forwarding ahead, none of us are going to do this right now. But Sasha, before you dip out, give us your Super Bowl prediction. Um, your give us your your pick. Who's going to win and total points? Uh, well, I was going to pick the Rams, which means I'm actually going to pick the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm going to say 60. 60 points. Sasha, Bengals, 60. All right. We'll have fun at Maddox's soccer and give him our best. It is Maddox, right? Yes. All right. Have a great afternoon. And we'll probably pod again um, in a week's time to talk about other things besides NFL. So um, have a good one. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. See you. Take care, Sasha. All right. See you. Bye. Okay, bye. All righty. So um, does anyone want to have an, uh, any other deeper analysis? Um, my brother will be joining us uh, momentarily. Does anyone else have any uh, deeper analysis of either game that they want to share? No, I think we did it. I'm all set. This might be the shortest... On yeah. to the next well, one. On to the next game. Looking ahead. It's all, yeah, I, it's all I think, looking ahead. Yeah, I just think that you know it, it's uh, it's it's a great matchup coming up, and and those yeah. two teams were able to to um, to win the games, you know, fairly and squarely. And, and let's just recap one second, though. I mean, come on, two straight weeks of amazing football. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, it really has been good. It really has been good. The Super Bowl isn't like so one sided that you're like, what happened? You know. Well, so. since, since we have a real Bengals fan here, I think someone hopes it's one side. <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Well, it's we're going to have what, a – sorry, go ahead, Mark. 
I think it was the Raiders game, right? The, the Bengals, uh, who the, with the Raiders having the worst red zone defense, it was the first three or four possessions. The, the Bengals had it in the red zone and ended up with something like two or three field goals, whatever it was. So I feel like the, the, uh, the Bengals offense has been playing well, even though they haven't really blown anybody out or haven't been a part of any real shootout. I feel like they – They've 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 shown glimmers of that type of offense. Uh, I don't I'm not making any predictions that that's what the next game is by any means, especially against the Rams defense. But um, they seem to have that potential, and it's I, it shows up every once in a while. Obviously, Burrow's Burrow, and they've got a whole stable of receivers, and they can run and or pass to the running back. You know, all the running backs, etc. So it feels like. Uh, you know, maybe that'll sort of be where they develop going into next season and stuff, but that would be fun to see as well. Kind of more of an explosive, you know, early days Rams type offense. Uh, see if they, they start to show that as they, as they mature still. Well, I thought the Bengals defense looked pretty good in that second half, Mark. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to hold them down to, you know, three points. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like a lot of it too, you know, it's with sports, you know, the Warriors and all these other teams with great coaches, but the Patriots, right. Um, when you combine, you know, a very talented quarterback, you put the right tools around, you have great offensive and defensive coordination, head coach, managing the clock, managing the game, making solid decisions, going for it, the right time on fourth, right. Going for the field goal, whatever it is, right. The Bengals, went for uh, two early in the game, right? And that was critical, right? Yeah. There's lots of dis- different little decisions like that that do and don't add up. It, it's it, that All of that has to come true, you know? Like the Bengals have had a re- reasonably decent quarterback, never won great, but they didn't have the coaches at the time. They didn't have all those other things. So seeing all that come together, you know, the defensive co- you know, coordinator who made the adjustment, right, and allowed the defense to really start to shine in the second half. They got a great secondary, so they – made Mahomes pass into it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The all of those pieces coming together, it's fun to watch. I, I think the 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 most important stat that was in the game was that, you know, against the Titans, Burrow got sacked nine times. Yeah. He only got sacked once last weekend. Wow. And and I think and there was a there was a commentator who said that that was probably going to be the case because that Bengals offensive line probably watched so many hours of video of what happened <laughs> that they, 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 they were going to be ready for that. And I think that's going to be the big thing coming, moving forward too, is, you know, the Rams have this supposed, you know, great uh, defensive line, uh, especially with Brennan um, Blanken's name right now, uh, uh, Donald. And so that will be an interesting matchup to see. Um, yeah. But here's the and then here's the other stat I was just looking at that because I was curious. So, passing yards in that Chiefs Bengals game, uh, the Bengals had seven more yards than the Chiefs. Which, if you had told someone that, yeah, no one would have believed you. So, it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Donald Donald has sort of become um, the face of the Rams as a team of destiny. He's he got a lot of airtime on the mm-hmm. broadcast um, sort of put forth along with Von Miller as, um, you know, the, the, the thing, the things that the Rams did right on defense in terms of personnel. And so I think uh, the Bengals are kind of like, be, they're, they're under the gun in terms of storyline, 
like the way the broadcast will be started. I think the way mm -hmm. the broad, you know, I think on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to hear a lot of the Rams are at home, blah, 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 blah. They don't have the same uh, Niners army in the house as they did against, uh, you know, last week. And so if the Rams start to get out to an early lead, um, the, the Bengals will have to like, again, play spoiler, figure something out and try and like rain on the Rams parade the way that they kind of brought Arrowhead Stadium mm -hmm. to to uh, like a silence as well. Yeah. But well, the, the other uh, the Super Bowl is a bit more corporate, though, in terms of the fan base, although it is in L.A. So we'll see how that plays out. But the other interesting factor here, which I'm super excited about, is that NBC is doing the game, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which means, which means, Chris Collinsworth is going to be there. Exactly, old number eighty. And you know, he was there for the last two Bengal Super Bowls, um, but now he's now he's got a chance to be there to see them win. So, um, so I think I think that's pretty cool too to have him in the booth. I think that's kind of refreshing, and it'll be a very interesting take on the whole thing. Absolutely, that's a great point. Fun fact: uh, the last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl, I watched that game in a Chris Collinsworth jersey. <laughs> nice. Well, I hope it still fits. I saw go yeah. into your parents' garage. It's a little tight. <laughs> I wear that we'll thing just, all the time. Yeah. We'll just we'll just have to make sure that the Bengals kick returners aren't out carousing around Hollywood the night before the Super Bowl. <laughs> Also, fun fact from the last Super Bowl: the Bengals scored on a like something like a ninety-six yard uh, kickoff return. That's right. That's yeah, right. that's right. And what that? That's so baseball. Barry, back from the commercial break, <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so this is fun. You're doing great. I love this podcast. Yeah, you're gonna have to come on. Um, you're gonna have to come on again once the uh, you know Reds season starts taking shape if there is a baseball season right that's a big if i think i think there's as we always say in these times there's too much money involved for them not to but you never know yeah talking about the baseball lockout yeah no and and mark i think you know this from way back i was a big reds fan in 1970 so yeah um, big red machine was i because my brother I'm, I'm a giants fan too but my brother really liked the giants so i just had to pick a team to like <laughs> annoy him with so I love Pete Rose, so that was my team. Oh, exactly. I still to this day, people ask me if I, you know, want to bet on sports. I'm like, like every Cincinnati fan from the mid '80s learned that betting on sports was not a good idea. <laughs> exactly. I that as a kid. It does not end well. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, what do we think about um, these Hall of Fame exclusions? Barry Bonds, uh, Pete Rose. Roger Clemens, A-Rod, you know, like, yeah. Uh, are, do you think these folks will ever really be acknowledged? I mean, could any, I mean, I don't think we're as uh, horrible of people as Ty Cobb, and yet he's in there. Right. Yeah. I, I think there's a difference between the honoring component of the museum and the acknowledgement of history part. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, you know, there's a, there's other parts of how we tell history that were the same, I think, metric or or, uh, you know, criteria type thing applies. But 
to, to acknowledge what they did, that their records are there, that there's a, that there's a, uh, an exhibit about the era, about the allegations, about whatever, and you tell it in a way that, that tells the story as, as factually as what we know and whatever, you, you kind of acknowledge their contributions. Bonds was one of the best ever. Unfortunately, it was the, the Icarus moment or whatever it is, right? Like he would have been a Griffey equivalent if he had not tried to, you know, go to the sun. So I think that part of the, 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 the history can still be told, but the notion that he has to have his plaque next to everybody else, I, I don't agree with that. I do think that there should be integrity. There should be uh, a part of the game where it's done the right way within the rules, both written and unwritten, that is important. So I think that I'm, I'm happy to see that they're not in. Yeah, they don't follow the rules. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's another thing to say, well, you know, Ty Cobb was probably a real jerk. I mean, do they put, is Bill Cosby in the Comedian Hall of Fame or <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> like if there was one. I'm sure he was. <laughs> he was. But, but we can't deny what happened. If somebody says, hey, what show was on NBC Thursday nights at 8 right. p.m. from 1982 I, to 1980?" Right. There, oh, it was just dead air. There was there was no show there, and it wasn't popular, and uh, didn't spin off another show after it with Lisa Bonet. Like, I, no, th there was a show, and this person did horrible things, and then now uh, the whole world knows about it. But you you can't just like b redact history, right? No, you don't redact history, but do you do you give them a you know a special honor. I, I think I think Mark is on to something. I think they should have an unmoral wings. <laughs> and, Daddy's... and just like ha it could be like down the street or whatever. Like a cellar. Like we remember the wax museum and you go and there's the, the room of horrors or whatever. It's like they should have that. Like for ah, the, that's funny. For just the just like, and just like there. put big a big warning. These people are not actually part of the Hall of Fame, but they have done baseball things and they're part of baseball lore. Right. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge their achievements and we're also going to celebrate their unachievements, you know, their un immoral. We're gonna show you this is not the way to go, but they still were able to achieve things in baseball. Because like, Kevin, would you be supportive of actually doing that in a way where they had different wings for the different performance enhancing drugs of the various eras, <laughs> like, the, like the amphetamine wing, yes, the human exactly. growth hormone wing, the, like, yeah, the adult gambling, growth hormone, the gambling wing, the gambling yeah. wing. <laughs> so yeah. you, you guys all know about the red juice. The felony that Supposedly wing. they were all drinking in the 50s and 60s which is basically uh, liquid amphetamines that well, they the, were like greenies, but in yeah. Kool-Aid form. Yeah. And then see, the, this is, my and there thing. was a coffee, there was a coffee pot with the amphetamines and there was a coffee pot. Without. <laughs> nice. I got to get one of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, for I clutch, mean, cheating moments. has been a part of baseball from the beginning and we all laugh and chuckle and, Oh, yeah. some of the greatest moments in baseball history, the, the shot heard around the world are tainted by allegations of, right. oh, the Giants had somebody out in the outfield signaling. So if all you did was cheat, e.g. Barry Bonds, if all you did was cheat, I think you still got to be in. If you've done horrible things, crimes, right. um, mm. um, then fine, it, keep them out. But I don't think just using 
steroids or other things should be enough to keep somebody because cheating has been part of the game forever and it's almost it's almost like smiled at or winked at I, for for some of the cheating i think you're right Lance i think Armstrong? the the stipulation for cheating is were you cheating to win now pete rose supposedly only bet on his team to win exactly uh barry bonds and all these people did what they did to play better now the question could be the White Sox. If you're throwing the game to to for gambling reasons, that's a whole other story that to be debated. But I agree with you, Ross. I think the the goal is to win. If you kick dirt in someone's eyes or or uh, our old friend Chase Utley, um, you know, break people's legs on your way to second base, hmm. then is that you know that's the, the and also if you look back at the players of actual people who played the game in the late 19th century. And early 20th century, it was a sordid bunch of of individuals who were riding a lot of trains, doing a lot of things on those trains that nobody really. Well, know, yeah, gambling was about. such a big part of the gambling, of the prostitution, game, throwing you games. Name it. Yeah, so taking uh, next gam- thing. Next thing you know, Kev, you're going to say Mickey Mantle was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm, uh, Mickey Mantle was never not drinking. <laughs> yeah, but Ab, you brought up an interesting point about. I didn't Lance drink Armstrong. with him. I never knew Mickey. <laughs> Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. I was drinking with, but not yeah. <laughs> well, Ab, we all know Ab's um, boyhood idol, uh, Minnie Minoso, was recently recognized yes. by the Hall and the Legends Committee. He did not actually get in originally into the Hall of Fame, but he was finally recognized later posthumously um which i'm glad they did that but you know he should have been brought in while he was still alive yeah amazing amazing player yeah he was well i mean i'm sure there's a lot of guys like that yeah and and that's part of the thing too is that just because you if you get recognized later in your in the in the thing it's it's okay i and i'm hoping that that's maybe the case with some of these players is that you know the, the really interesting thing is there's been like polls about you know current players and a lot of current players are like they don't want to ban those players because all that 1998 stuff that what everyone was celebrating that actually triggered barry bonds probably to bulk up uh, you know sosa mcguire that is why a lot of these guys who are playing the game today play the game because baseball yeah. really lured them. Because you got to remember, baseball was not such a hot thing post strike, and and uh, everyone was like, you know. But '98 brought all that glory back to baseball, and yeah. um, you know, and and yeah, who knows what's what's right or what's wrong? But it's it's the games were played, and and there were a lot of stuff, especially that era. There were a lot of people doing it, so it wasn't like it was imbalanced that like one or two people were doing it, you know. Yeah. What's who's that pitcher for the Dodgers who went you know toe to toe against Bonds all the time? That closer, um, Gagne. Gagne, that guy was. I'm sure he was stacked on. All Love Gagne. <laughs> what a weirdo. Yeah, exactly. But he was loaded too, and it was like, and they were just going point to point, and it was like, it was amazing. If you go back and watch the, each pitch of those battles, are just like insane. Yeah, it's a fair point too. When did to kind of pull that argument one more step forward to say how do you know who was and who wasn't how do you properly you know litigate or or uh, weigh in on on those factors you kind of can't i mean some of it was so egregious but that's just because those guys were already that good right so some of these lesser yeah. guys that may have done it also 
you know, but not didn't get the focus or the reporting or people didn't go through their medical history or, you know, things like that. And they maybe escaped through. I, I, I think that's a fair argument for, um, again, wanting to honor them in some way, but right. Uh, but yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's, it's, but, and part of it could be, you know, I saw an article somewhere where they were just basically saying, and this goes back to what Mark was saying about honoring the, the history of at least is that, is the hall of fame making itself kind of irrelevant to the history of the game that if they're holding this high standard that they've decided is their high standard, are they not really collecting and acknowledging what the sport really is? Yeah. Well, those guys still have their records. Don't they have? Yeah. Bonds. I mean, if you look for the home run record, he's still in the books. They didn't take it away. No. Well, the hall of fame, it's not like Lance Armstrong. They took all his, you know, wins away. Well, the Hall of Fame isn't run by Major League Baseball. That's the other thing. So there's kind of a, it's, it's, it's this other, and it's also not, it's voted by the baseball writers, right? So it's got these kind of third party entities to it that are, that have their own standards. And, and I was saying this to, I don't, I forget if we were saying on the, on the call or one, you know, on these things, but, but if you were to follow some of these sports writers around and see how they live their life, <laughs> I mean, you would just be like, why are we listening to anything these people have to say? You know, it's like, if you listen to sports talk, generally it's not, it's pretty, uh, well, we here at the baseball podcast, we, we keep our noses clean and the highest standards of excellence here. No, I was wondering who you were talking about, Kevin. Is it uh, yeah, well, your fellow panelists here? Or I mean, other? I'm not saying, but this, you know, there's some snuggle sniffs in our past. Oh. But, um, <laughs> there's some red coffee that we have. Yeah, back. Yeah, oh, yeah. We had our share. Muddy, had muddy our waters share. on Valencia Street. There's your red coffee. <laughs> That's right. So um, quick programming note. I know you guys love when I do this. Um, And I do this every episode because I am every week a more and more diehard fan for my UCLA Bruins. Just to bring you up to speed, um, my beloved Bruins won all three games last week. They beat Arizona. They beat Cal. They beat Stanford. And they have moved up to the number three in the nation rank. And now they travel to Tucson, great town, by the way, to take on Arizona once again in Arizona. Um, And they possibly will still be without Johnny Juzang, who was in the COVID protocols. And uh, Jaquez will probably be back. He turned his ankle, but he's a tough tough SOB. He'll, he'll be there. So this is the Bruins chance to try and take on Arizona on the road. So ESPN primetime five Pacific Thursday night, the Bruins once again are going to face off against Arizona and all their, their athleticism and size and, and excitement on the Arizona side. So it's going to be one to watch Thursday night. That's my programming note. Are you gonna Are you gonna talk about the Loyola Ramblers or not? <laughs> no, that's your <laughs> That's your job, Ab. Oh, okay, good. Um, uh, programming notes on Loyola. Oh yeah, Loyola lost their last game. They were mm. running thirty in a row, and then they lost. Uh, that was at home, 
they're playing tomorrow. It's on ESPN Plus, I think. Seven o'clock Central Time. So, I, I think now that we have Mark on board, he can actually go to these these Fenway and the Loyola games, games yeah. and actually report from them. Go to the too. home games. <laughs> we can do live broadcast. Yeah, you can do. Yeah. can you talk to Sister Jean while you're there too? <laughs> do you think that this podcast could get me courtside credentials? Yes. We could, yes. We could have Rich Mukai do a do a courtside badge and manufacture <laughs> manufacture badges with a laminating machine. We can have Uncle Bruce call make a call over there. Oh yeah, let's have Uncle Bruce make a call. Yeah, we'll get you. We'll get you in there. <laughs> He'll give you a press pass you can't refuse. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, on that note, I need to go start cooking dinner, so I will. At this moment, take my leave. But was so good to hear from you all, uh, Kevin. Ab, great to chat, Rossi, as always. And uh, let's do this again. This has been a lot of For fun. For sure, we'll get yeah. your Bengals yeah. coming. So Absolutely. We'll look forward to it. Maybe we'll do it. Can we do a Super Bowl preview? Can I have yeah. to? Yeah, this time yeah, next yeah. week. Next week, yeah. I love it. I love it. And a Pro Bowl, a Pro Bowl post mortem. I want to hear your. I want to hear your your what you would have said if the 49ers made the Super Bowl. So oh, the bit that that's oh okay, that would be my parting note. I love it. So obviously the Bengals twice to the Super Bowl, twice defeated by Mr. Joe Montana, right? And my whole bit was yeah. going to be like, okay, it's it's round three, but we have Joe this time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It's true. Right. I mean, and it's not, there's, there's two other Joes that have won Super Bowls, Joe Flacco and Joe Namath. So <laughs> Joe, Joes are pretty good in the Super Bowl. Let's just put it that way. That, that's like an Elliott Sports Bureau fun fact. Like what the most common name for a winning quarterback in the Super Bowl? It's got to be Joe. It's got to be Joe. <laughs> or, well, that might be Tom, actually. <laughs> well, let's see. No, well, maybe Joe can catch Tom this time around. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Joe Flacco's got one, and and Joe Montana's got four, and Joe and uh, Dan Fouts and Dan Marino have zero, so Dan is not doing too good. Terry's got four. Terry's got four. But yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I mean, yeah, Joe Joe could tie Tom. Joe could tie Tom. There we go. That's our new slogan. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll revisit this next week in our Super Bowl preview. Um, Thank you all for joining and. Go Bengals, go Rams, if that's your thing, and go Bruins. Oh, one more thing. I can give you a report next week on um, my trap shooting. Um, and con- I'm going trap shooting. <laughs> All right, we're going to need video of this. <laughs> have Nance take some video. We want to put this She's not going. All right, now, have you, somebody take that, some video. I want to know, do you, is, it, is that where you have to say pull? Right. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, we want video. Right. Yeah. And be careful too. Yeah, <laughs> that's the main thing. Don't yeah, don't pull, a, don't pull fun. a Cheney. No Cheney. Yeah, don't pull a Cheney. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody for joining. This has been the So Baseball Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, Dave. Bye. Sorry you couldn't make it, Dave. Okay. okay. Bye, Take care, gentlemen. Bye, guys. Bye, Thanks, Mark. Take care. So baseball. <laughs>